0818-715-925. Oliver Callan on RTE Radio 1. And welcome back. Um, Finney McGrath has been in touch with us. He's the former, uh, he was a former junior minister with respons- responsibility for disabilities and in reaction to Claire Shorten's interview there. What an amazing woman and teacher. I don't accept that such a wonderful teacher can't get a job. It is so unfair. We need people like that in our educational service. Keep fighting. Well done. Uh, here, here. I mean, it's it's absolutely disgraceful, to be honest. But she was such a cheerful, happy woman. It was, uh, I didn't want to get angry on her behalf because we heard her. She, she gave her story. Love to hear your guest. Unfortunately, I'd say the block is trying to get an assistant. This is the person assistant she needs to do the visual stuff in the room. We have no resource teachers at all in our primary school. We had one, but they've had to step in to cover maternity for the year. That's from Fiona. Well, there are, of course, um, SNAs, special needs assistant teachers, and maybe could they also double as personal assistants? I don't know. Of course, we're saying things about schools. But they, like I say, feel free to get in touch and tell us about it. And a slightly different um, take on this, Peter Limerick. Inspiring chat with that young teacher. I really feel for partially sighted people as today's streets are so hostile. Street furniture, active travel barriers and bollards, outdoor dining setups have made things so dangerous for the visually impaired. There needs to be a reining in of all of this to make it safe again for people with a disability to walk the streets. Well, maybe not rein it in, but to bear the visually impaired in mind when they're doing it, because, you know, at traffic lights and so on, they have those um, uh, little dots on the road that they? they can feel and the sound of the traffic uh, lights and all that sort of thing. Now, I want to jump back into a subject we spoke about yesterday. Remember, we chatted to Erica Corcoran and she detailed her frightening experience um, of having deep-faked photographs of her shared on the dark fringes of the internet, let's just say. Michael James Boland, he got in touch and he's a law lecturer at Munster Technology Technological University and he's been saying, basically, he told us that the law surrounding this is a serious topic among his colleagues there. Quick reminder, of course, it's a subject for mature listeners, uh, but Michael Michael James Boland, good morning to you. Hello, Oliver. How are you? How are you doing? Thanks a million for getting in touch. Uh, just remind us ab- about what you said, because Erica Corkin was saying she didn't really know where to go or whether it was illegal for these AI-altered photographs of her being shared on sites and what to do about it. Well, what I said was that uh, since 2021, uh, a piece of legislation called the Harassment, Harmful Communications and Related Offences Act mm-hmm. uh, has been enforced. And uh, what this piece of legislation does is make it a criminal offence to share intimate images of another person without their consent and also to record intimate material of somebody else without that person's consent. And in the context of what Erica was speaking about, uh, the issue of deep fakes, uh, I just wanted to say, uh, like I did yesterday, that that legislation, the Harassment and Harmful Communications Act yeah. uh, does cover deep fake images because of the rather broad definition given to intimate image in that legislation. Is there anything then Erica could do using this law that isn't going to run up an enormous legal bill? Because that is obviously a great obstacle for people. Well, the legislation is there insofar as uh, if somebody manipulates a photograph of another person and creates uh, an image of a sexual nature that purports to be of somebody else, well, it first and foremost is a criminal offence to do that under this legislation. And uh, short of going to the guards and going through all of that process, there was a a rather interesting uh, case just before Christmas Uh, whereby uh, a 
a non a not-for-profit organisation called Digital Rights Ireland uh, made an application to the High Court for what's known as a Norwich Pharmacal Order. And the effect of such orders is to enable individuals who may have been victims of this type of practice uh, to identify the wrongdoers, i.e. the people who posted see, or yes. uploaded material to the internet of them. Where they're using and anonymous, they're coming across as anonymous, but we, okay, you can Exactly. Them. Of yes. course, that's, that's a, a perennial problem on mm. the internet, uh, the anonymity. Um, and so this Norwich Pharmacal Order uh, has been around for quite uh, a long time. It is a judicial remedy insofar as the courts can order a, a uh, intermediary, for instance, a social media company to uh, disclose the information uh, needed to identify wrongdoers. And in that particular case, uh, before Christmas, uh, the Digital Rights Ireland was seeking this information in order to bring a civil action for damages. That is to say, in order to seek compensation for 11 women who were the victims of image-based sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, in order to bring such a civil action, they first needed to know the identities of the wrongdoers. And so that is the purpose of the Norwich Pharmacal Order. So in response to your question, Oliver, what can be done? Mm-hmm. Short, as I say, of going through the criminal process, there is civil remedies. And this case before Christmas Uh, demonstrates how uh, it is possible for a representative body to bring what is known as a representative action, a form of class action, on behalf of victims and seek a remedy for them. And that might, I say this because that might perhaps alleviate some of the fears that people might have about going through the criminal justice system or going through the legal system um, in the first instance because this enables a representative plaintiff, that is to say someone who brings a case on another person's behalf, uh, this enables a representative plaintiff to do that. It, it definitely makes it much more accessible, even if it is, um, you know, it, you have to go and find out about it. But obviously when this happens to you, if you can get over the initial trauma and upset of the thing, there is a route to it. I was just looking across in, in England today and there was a man has become the first person in England and Wales to be convicted of cyber flashing. Um, cyber flashing became an offence in, in England and Wales just on the 31st of January and already someone's been convicted there. Is that an offence in Ireland? Well, I can't speak to that particular case, but uh, I can say that the legislation that I mentioned, the Harassment, Harmful Communications and Related Offences Act, yes. would cover the practice of cyber flashing uh, due to, and this is a particular strength of the legislation, uh, due to the rather broad wording given uh, to the provisions of the Act. And so it, it encompasses a variety of practices, um, including what has colloquially become known as cyber flashing. Mm-hmm. That's where someone sends uh, an, an image uh, of, of you know, the intimate parts of themselves. They, 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 people know what flashing is, don't they? So this is just the online version of that. And um, yeah. But I suppose it's, it's, again, the accessibility of cracking down this kind of thing, which is just walking into a Garda station, which is what happened in this case in England and Wales. But of course, it's a different law over there. And the Online Safety Act seems to be tougher regulation of social media companies and their responsibilities than we have in Ireland so far anyway. 
Well, as far as I know, it's not yet an act in the UK. It is still going through the legislative process. It just passed, um, actually, just at the end of January, the Online Safety Act. Just at the end of yeah. January. So I, I, I expect that currently it's probably waiting for royal assent. But um, quite honestly, Oliver, I can't speak uh, um, to the legislation in the UK. Uh, suffice to say, uh, in our um, in our equivalent legislation here, we do also have a provision, Section 6 of the Act, uh, which imposes liability on corporate bodies uh, under this legislation. So it is possible under our Act for, uh, for instance, the likes of social media companies to be held accountable for, um, for a, a certain offence, for their involvement or perhaps facilitating um, an offence on, under the Act. So okay. I, I say so the that laws are there. to yeah. reiterate that, yes, it's possible for social media companies to be held accountable under our law as well as, um, as under the law of the mm. UK. And I, as far as I'm aware, we do have further legislation uh, making its way through the Oireachtas now uh, in this general area. Yeah. It's great. I'm, I'm delighted you got in touch. Thanks a million, J- Michael James Boland. It's a conversation worth having and might assuage some of the fears out there. Uh, lecturer in law at Munster Technological University. Thanks a million for that. And it sounds like Digital Rights Ireland is a good place to go as well. That's a representative body for a lot of people. 51551 is the text. We'll be back uh, to discuss matchmaking after this. Oliver Callan on RTE Radio 1.